Chapter 3 of A Narrative of the Life of Rev. Noah Davis, a Colored Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Brian Ness. A Narrative of the Life of Rev. Noah Davis, a Colored Man, by himself. Chapter 3 Religious Experience conviction, conversion. Just about the close of my apprenticeship, as I began to feel myself a man, I commenced to visit the girls, which induced me to go still more frequently to church. At that time there were four churches in Fredericksburg. The colored people had apartments for worship with the white people at each of these churches. They were Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, and Baptist. I had no particular preference for any one of these denominations more than another, but went wherever my favorites went. One night a young lady invited me to go to the Methodist church where a prayer meeting was to be held. During the meeting a venerable old gentleman rose to his feet and related an account of the sudden death of a young lady which he had read in a newspaper. When he related that solemn circumstance, it so affected me that I felt as if I was about to die in a sudden manner also. Having always, from parental training, purposed in my mind to become religious before I died, I thought that now was the time to begin to pray. But I could not try to pray in the church, for I was afraid that the girls would laugh at me. Yet I became so troubled that I left the house, girls and all, intending to seek some place where I might pray. But to my horror and surprise, when I got out of the church, this reflection occurred to me. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. How can he hear you? Oh, what distress of mind I now felt! I began to wonder how God could hear my prayer. For sure enough, he was in heaven, and I on the earth. In my perplexity, I started for home. Just before I reached the shop where I slept, this thought struck me, if possible, with more force than the former reflection. God does see you. It really appeared to me as if I could see that God was indeed looking at me, and not only so, but I felt that He had been looking at me all my life. I now said to myself, It is of no use for me to pray. If God has seen all my wickedness, as I feel that He has, then there is no mercy for me. So I ran to my lodging-place, and tried to hide myself in a dark room. But this was useless for it appeared that God could see me in the dark as well as in the light. I now felt constrained to beg for mercy, and spent the time in trying to obtain pardon for my sins. But the morning came, and the hour drew near for the hands to go to work, and I was still unhappy. I felt so very different to what I had always felt that I tried to examine my impressions of the previous night, to learn if it was true that God did see me or not, for I thought my imagination might have deceived me. Up to this time I was not fully convinced that God knew all about me, so I began to study about the matter. As I sat on the shoe-bench I picked up a bunch of bristles, and, selecting one of the smallest, I began to wonder if God could see an object so small as that. No sooner had this inquiry arose in my heart than it appeared to me that the Lord could not only see the bristle, but that he beheld me as plainly as I saw the little object in my hand, and not only so, but that God was then looking through me just as I would hold up a tumbler of clear water to the sun and look through it. This was enough. I felt that I must pray or perish, and now I began to pray. But it really seemed that the more I prayed, the less hope there was for me. 
Still, I could not stop praying, for I felt that God was angry with me. I had sinned against His holy laws, and now, if He should cut me off and send me to hell, it was but right. These thoughts followed me day and night for five weeks before I felt relief. At length, one day, while sitting on my shoe-bench, I felt that my time had come when I must die. What troubled me most was that I should have to appear before God in all my sins. Oh, what horror filled my soul at that thought! I began to wonder what I must do. I knew I was not prepared for death and the judgment. It is true that two of my shopmates at that time were members of the church, but they did not seem to care for my soul. All the rest of the hands were as wicked as myself. What shall I do was in my mind all the time I sat at work. The reflection occurred to me, your mother is a Christian, it may be she can save you. But this suggestion appeared to be offensive to God. Then came another thought. As my master was a rich man, could he not do something to help me? But I found no relief in either, and while I sat thus hoping and praying, light broke into my mind. All my trouble left me in an instant. I felt such a love and peace flowing in my soul that I could not sit longer. I sprang to my feet and cried out, Glory to God! It seemed to me that God, whom I had beheld a few seconds previously angry with me, was now well pleased. I could not tell why this great change had taken place in me, and my shopmates were surprised at my conduct, saying that I must be getting crazy. But just at this moment the thought came into my mind that I was converted. Still, as I felt so very different from what I had expected to feel, I could not see how that could be. I concluded to run and see my mother, and ask her how people felt when they got converted. So I went right away to my mother's house, some five or six squares from the shop. When I reached the door of her house, it appeared to me that everything was new and bright. I went in and sat down. Mother asked me how I was. I told her I felt right smart. This was a new sound for me, for my answers to this question had long been poorly. But now came the trial, to ask Mother how people felt when they were converted. I felt ashamed to ask the question. So I went into another room, and seeing a hymn-book lying on the table, I took it up. The first hymn that struck my sight began with these words. When converts first begin to sing, their happy souls are on the wing. Their theme is all redeeming love, fain would they be with Christ above. With admiration they behold the love of Christ which can't be told, etc. These lines expressed my feeling precisely, and being encouraged from them, I went to my mother and asked her the question, How do people feel when they get converted? She replied, Do you think you are converted? Now this was a severe trial, for although I felt that I was really changed, yet I wanted to hear from her before I could decide whether I was actually converted or not. I replied, No. Then she said, My son, the devil makes people think themselves converted sometimes. I arose and left immediately, believing that the devil had made a fool of me. I returned to my shop, more determined to pray than ever before. I arrived and took my seat, and tried to get under that same weight that I had felt pressing me down, but a short while before. But it seemed to me that I could not, and instead of feeling sad, I felt joyful in my heart, and while trying to pray, I thought the Saviour appeared to me. I thought I saw God smiling upon me through Christ, His Son. My soul was filled with love to God and Jesus Christ. It appeared to me I saw a fullness in Jesus Christ to save every sinner who would come to Him. 
and I felt that if I was only converted, I would tell all sinners how precious the Savior was. But I could not think myself converted yet, because I could not see what I had done, for God to pardon my sins. Still I felt a love to Him for what He had done for my soul. Then I began to think upon my shopmates, and, oh, what pity ran through my soul for them! I wished to pray for them, but I felt so unworthy that I could not do it. At last I promised the Lord that if He would convert my soul, I would talk to them. It was several months after that before I was made to realize this to be the work of God, and when it was made plain, oh, what joy it did bring to my poor soul! I shortly became a member of the Baptist Church, and was baptized in company with some twenty others by Rev. George F. Adams, who was then pastor of the Baptist Church in Fredericksburg, September 19, 1831. This church then contained about three hundred colored members. End of chapter 3 Recorded by Brian Ness